You are about to witness history in the making. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Pop Culture Gamers podcast. This is show number 121, and it is the 8th of the 6th, a couple of days late this week, and I'm on my own, unfortunately. Um, Mark isn't here, and neither is Steve, um, and it's a bit later recording the show, so sorry about the delay. First off, just want to say happy birthday to Steve. By the time this show goes out, which will be the 9th, it'll be Steve's birthday. So happy birthday, mate. Um, and hopefully we'll be seeing both of them next uh, weekend uh, so that we can uh, bring you a show. Um, hopefully discussing some of the stuff revealed at the Xbox exhibition for E3. Um, or the um, webinar, I should say. Okay, so let's uh, get on with the show. So this week, um, or the last week, I've been on annual leave for a little bit, had three or four days off, and been walking, walking, and then some more walking, and also doing a little bit of digital photography as well, got some really good shots um, in one or two places, so um, I've posted some of those on Twitter if you want to have a look at any of them. Other than that, not really been doing much, and surprisingly actually not been playing very much video games, but I will talk about uh, what I have been playing uh, shortly. So really, really quick intro, I think it's probably the quickest intro we've ever done, but we'll get into gaming this week. No longer a dream, but a reality. Alright, so gaming this week, and we've got some various different pieces of news actually. First off, let's talk about No Man's Sky. And No Man's Sky has had another title update. This one is the Prism update, it's been released, and the universe has never really looked so better. There's lots of new reflections, textures, effects, uh, biome details, improved lighting, new skies, warp effects, creature fur and a host of other sort of stuff besides. There's new styles of volumetric lighting have been introduced with uh, coloured and directional volumetrics used to add the atmosphere across all of the universe. Um, examples of this can be things like the menacing searchlights of the Sentinel drones, the soft glow bioluminescence flora, and the bright headlights of starships and exocraft. PC players with compatible NVIDIA RTX cards can take advantage of the DLSS, gaining vastly inferior performance and visual quality. Caves and subterranean biomes um, are now even more alien and exotic. Fungus and flora grow from new atmospheric lighting effects. The environments are more detailed and more diverse. There's a variety of uh, quality... Uh, sorry, excuse me, there's a variety, quality, a number of stars in the sky has been significantly increased, uh, which is basically giving you a dazzling reminder of the vastness of the universe. There's a new photo mode um, with, that has benefits from significant improved depth of field and controls, as well as now giving photographers manual control over bloom settings. There is improved rain and weather, the visual quality of 
rain and density of uh, rain effects has been significantly improved with raindrops now refracting uh, the light planetary surfaces plants minerals creatures starships and players now become wet when they rained on lightning storms will have a chance to create storm crystals in at the impact point of the lightning and meteor showers now have a chance to leave valuable harvestable rocks at their impact sites so lots of things that's only a very small part of all of the updates that they've made have to say hello games they've been probably the best and most prolific updaters of their um, ip known to man i think that they're doing a fantastic job these are all free upgrades for as long as you've got the game you've got the updates and really well done really well done i know this game was well a poor show at release but wow what they've done to support this game over the last few years especially after sony threw them under the bus is absolutely unreal so you've got to hand it to them and i've seen the game seen shots of it i've not had a chance to play it uh, from the prism update but it does look fantastic really go and give this game another look other news um, is in relation to Xbox Series X download size sizes. So Microsoft Game Stack boss um, James Gwertzman, um says that the tech could change how we ship games. The general manager of the relatively new Microsoft division recently spoke with a roundtable of journalists about what his team's been working on for the next generation, or I suppose the current generation. One of the studios inside Microsoft has been experimenting with machine learning models for asset generation and it works scarily well evidently to the point where they're now looking to ship really low textures and having the machine learning models up res the uh, textures in real time. So you can't tell the difference between the hand authored high res uh, textures and the machine scaled up low res textures so to the point that you may well ship low res textures and let the machine do what it does best so that's absolutely fantastic because that means that obviously one of the problems with the current generation is the incredibly small hard drive size in comparison to the size of the games where if you've got certain games they're even recommended that you only have that one game on it's utterly ridiculous uh, some of the stuff that is going on at the moment so if they can do anything to downsize that and not have an impact on the performance of the games you've got to admit this is something that we want in terms of god of war uh, there is going to be no god of war this year but evidently the title will be available on the ps4 and the ps5 uh, when it is released cd project red as well there's been some talk about fixes to cyberpunk coming um, no details about when that is or how um, how that's going to affect the game performance and there's also some hints from a job advert that cd project red is um, advertising for um, evidently they're looking for somebody to work on a new game which is really interesting let's uh, hope that they fix cyberpunk before they move on to the next one totally other news, AMD and their Fidelity FX. This is really uh, something super exciting for PC owners, but also, I think, maybe for console owners. More about that in a second. But 
AMD responses to the DLSS or the uh, super sampling that is used by NVIDIA to um, upscale uh, graphics is this is a specific upscaling technology um, and is announced that it will work with NVIDIA graphics cards as well. This is really, really super unusual that AMD have actually released something that is going to be or is going to support or be supportive of their competitors' graphics cards. It's been launched in June, and the impact of the performance of this might actually mean that the Xbox Series X and PS5 may also benefit from this as well. In other news from uh, NVIDIA side of the uh, camp is that they've announced their 3080 Ti's and some other Titan models as well. So the great news there is there's even more graphics cards that you can't get hold of at the moment because no doubt they'll all be snapped up pretty quickly. There's also been um, some stories going on that XCOM developer is creating a Marvel game and that there's a new Guardians of the Galaxy game on the way as well. So there's lots of news and I'm sure that all of that's going to explode uh, from next, uh, from this week rather, when there's going to be all of the developers' conferences going on over the next several days. In terms of new releases, there's a host of new releases this week. We have Pro Cycling Manager 2021 on the PC, Monster Harvest on the PS4 and Xbox One, DC Superhero Girls Team Power on the Switch, Sniper Ghost Warrior Contacts 2 on the PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One and Xbox Series X. Mighty Goose on the PC, PS4, Xbox One and Switch. The Elder Scrolls Online, PS5 and Xbox Series X. Uh, Chivalry 2 on the PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One and Xbox Series X. Willy Morgan and the Cruise of the Bone Town on the Switch. Final Fantasy VII Remake, Integrade on the PS5. Ninja Gaiden Master Edition on the Switch. The Persistence Enhanced on the PS5. Black Skylands on the PC, Guilty Gears Drive on the PC, PS4 and PS5, and of course, the big one for the PS5 fans, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, which is supposed to be one of the best games on um, the Sony platform for quite some time by all of the early reviews that have been going on. Games of Gold, this time we have The King's Bird on from June 1st to the 30th. The Shadow Awakenings from June 16th to July the 15th. We also have um, Neo Geo uh, Battle Coliseum um, 2. Oh no, just Battle Coliseum rather. On June 1st to June 15th. And Injustice Gods Among Us from June 16th to the 30th. On Game Pass, there's a few games coming and going. On 1st of June, The Wild Heart, uh, Wild at Heart rather, on Xbox Series X, Xbox One and Xbox Game Cloud piece. On uh, June 3rd is For Honor, it's for the same ones. On June 8th is Backbone on the PC. June 10th is Darkest Dungeon, um, basically on all services uh, for X -Cloud, Xbox uh, Game Pass. June 22nd is Dungeon and Dragons Dark Alliance, again on everything. And then on July the 29th, we have the Ascent on the Xbox Series X optimised and the Xbox One and PC. Leaving Xbox Game Pass uh, this time from the June the 15th, we have 
Ace Combat 7 Skies Unknown, Night Call, West of Dead, Wizard of Legends and Observation. Uh, Observation is one of those games I've been meaning to play on uh, Game Pass for a while, so I've only got a few days to complete that one. On PS Plus, uh, the PS Plus games this time is Operation Tango, Star Wars Squadrons and Virtual Fighter 5. On the Switch, we have some good games. We've got Batman, the Telltale series, Newfound Courage, Lost in Harmony, BFF or Die, Spit Kiss and uh, Mugsters. And then on Epic uh, Games, we've got Frostpunk and then an unknown game coming from the 10th. So some interesting uh, game titles there. In terms of gaming this week, my gaming has actually been quite minimal because I've been... um, going for walks, doing family stuff, all of that sort of thing. But one of the things I have done is pick up on Elite Dangerous Odyssey. Uh, Again, as you know, this has just recently been uh, updated and um, uh, updated game because it was Elite Dangerous Horizons. It's now Odyssey. It's got first-person sort of shooter mode uh, in there now as well. So you can not only go out in your SRVs, but you can exit those. You can walk around uh, on planets and going to buildings and all of that sort of thing and there's going to be special missions all of that and there's also been planetary atmospheres lots of different enhancements to the game but I've actually gone back to this and I'm actually in the middle of nowhere on my PC character I went over to the second bubble um, which was uh, created a few years ago and that was a 24 light year trip and it took me 24 hours of gameplay to actually travel at 24 light years. Yes, that is just traveling in a direction. It was like being on the longest plane flight ever, apart from the fact I was actually flying the plane. Um, and I had to do things like do fuel scooping of stars in order to be able to carry on going in the right direction had to plot the route back then you could only plot a route of a few hundred light years um, at maximum before it would um, stop and not allow you to do it Um, now you can literally just get it to organize a trip from one side of the galaxy to another and the other thing is the you didn't get fsd boost which is basically where uh, you boost off uh, a neutron star and uh, be, the uh, radioactive flumes that come out over the top and the bottom of there. You go into there, that overdrives your frame shift drive, and then you can do 100 light year jumps at a time. And none of that was there in the original when I did that 24 hours worth of travel. This one, it is. It's much easier to do the traveling, but it's still a long, long time. And bearing in mind, I am just over halfway to where I need to be which is I'm going to Sagittarius A before I go back to the first human bubble Um, given the fact that I have done that massive trip already this is a much shorter one before my actual longest trip I will have ever have done in the game which would be back to the human bubble because um, basically it's further to go back from Sagittarius A than it was to um, travel to the um, second human bubble because i want to get back because i want to see what's going on there's been lots of changes i want to see all of that 
you know, firsthand in terms of the activities that are going on there. There are Thargoids in the world now. There's the Guardian race, all of that, which I've missed out on because I did this massive trip on uh, PC. So, uh, but because I'm so close to the centre of the galaxy, I'll probably never in the game go that way again, unless, of course, I do vastly improve the hyperspace jumps. This is going to be my final trip, sort of like back uh, on this character. So I've decided, well, let's go and see Sagittarius, say, the, the black hole in the middle of the galaxy. We'll go there and then we'll come back. So I'm halfway there and I've got 120 light year jump. Oh, sorry, 120 jumps to go before I get to the centre of the galaxy. That is massive. That is a lot of playing in order to be able to get there. Um, I did in a three or four hour session, um, I did about a hundred jumps in one go. Um, that was tough. That was really tough because eventually you, you stop losing concentration and you do silly little things in a couple of seconds of um, misjudged things when you're coming out of hyperspace means you end up flying into a star um, and damaging your shields and your ship and I have damaged my ship and the FSD drives a little bit dodgy now sometimes it doesn't work fortunately now at the uh, black hole at the centre of the galaxy there is actually a station where I'll be able to get uh, my ship serviced when I get there but I'm at the point now it's actually uh, closer for me to go to the centre of the galaxy to that station than it is to go back um, so it's going to be an interesting sort of travel over the next 120 um, light, uh, 120 jumps so hopefully this ship will hold together uh, other than that like I said not really been doing much I say I've not been really been doing much uh, it's the 8th and I've got over 10,000 gamer score as per usual but Nothing uh, really uh, exciting in terms of uh, games that I've been playing. Just a few indie games. I won't bother uh, mentioning those uh, for now. Okay, so uh, let's move on to movies, TV and streaming. In quest of a better life. All right, movies, TV and streaming and a bit of news uh, in terms of movies which are happening in North Yorkshire. And that is Indiana Jones 5 is being filmed, well, less than two hours away from where I am um, in a, a place called Scarborough, if you've ever heard of that. I'm sure that most people will have. It's quite a famous place um, and heartbeat country and all of that sort of stuff. But yes, so scenes from the new Indiana Jones movie are being filmed on a North Yorkshire Moors uh, railway this week. Pictures uh, taken at the uh, laneside today shows that uh, props including tanks, guard towers, steam trains, uh, dressed up colours from the 1940s German railways, as well as Nazi uniforms. Um, the residents living at Grossmont have been warned that there may be smoke and some loud sound effects including gunfire and explosions during the night uh, which will see the uh, train travel from um, the motive power depot uh, to uh, north through Grossmont Tunnel and south towards Pickering. So no official statement has been released about the production which is the uh, second major Hollywood uh, film being uh, filmed in North Yorkshire. 
so far this year um, on the North Yorkshire Moors Railway. So that's uh, really quite a boon for the you know tourist industry for North Yorkshire, certainly. And uh, also, you know, there's a potential viable place for movies to be shot in the future. Now, you might think, well, if it's North Yorkshire, it will be quite close to where you are. And um, I'm going to say anybody who sort of thinks that you can be somewhere, you know, within 20 minutes of anywhere in North Yorkshire, it's a bit of a joke because... North Yorkshire is uh, England's largest ge- geographical county. And to give you an idea of how far away uh, this is, is if you're in London, this is as far away as Brighton is. The difference is the trip from London to Brighton means that you go through three borough stroke district councils. You would actually be going just through one county council for um going from where I am in the middle of North Yorkshire, not the end, I'm right slap bang in the middle, to um, the East Coast. So just to give you an idea of how far that is, you know, it's uh, over 50 miles away from where I am. And uh, that would take you on the roads that we have to get there because there isn't a major motorway. Uh, the only major motorway in North Yorkshire is the A1, which goes north and south. Um, but the motorway, uh, or the lack of motorway, it's, it's all A roads or B roads in some cases. And it would literally take you an hour and 45 minutes to do that trip, which is approximately the same amount of time as it would take you to get to Brighton from London. Um, so it's quite an interesting sort of thought um, because... In North Yorkshire, if you have a bad day in terms of travel and you want to go from Scarborough to Skipton, which is about as far as you can go east to west um, in the county, then you would actually be quicker going to London than you would be doing that trip sometimes. Uh, That's how long it is in North Yorkshire and that's what the state of some of the roads are. There are a lot of really good roads, but there are also a lot of you know smaller roads as well. So it's really, uh, really interesting, really fantastic that um, we've got the Indiana Jones uh, movie here. But I'm not going to be nipping over a gross month just to be able to uh, see or hopefully capture a bit of uh, indie because it's just too far. Uh, cinema releases, a couple of movies uh, now. On the 9th of June, there is Nobody. And then on the 11th of June, there is The Father and uh, Gunda. Don't know much about any of those. DVD and Blu-ray releases. Obviously, 7th of June this week, we see the Indiana Jones uh, 4 movie collection on 4K Blu-ray. And the other big one as well is Toy Story 1 to 4 on 4K Blu-ray as well. Oh, sorry. Yeah, 4K Blu-ray as well. So there's some uh, couple of good... Um, obviously collections there nothing much else really to uh, shout home about about what's been released in terms of the cinema charts at number five down from three we've got wonder woman 1984 number four down from one is raya and the last dragon at number three a new entry is godzilla versus kong number two staying where it is is tom and jerry the movie uh, the 2021 one and at number one up from number seven is the Zack Snyder Justice League uh, movie Blu-ray and DVD charts we have at number five new entry Supernatural a complete series number four 
new entry Tom and Jerry the movie. Number three, new entry Supernatural, a complete 15th series. Number two, a re-entry is Super 8. And at number one is Zack Snyder's Justice League. In terms of what I've been watching, I haven't been watching very much at all. Um, the only thing I have watched is the first four episodes of uh, Parks and Recreation, which is obviously where um, you know we see Chris Pratt being introduced to the world uh, as the... Um, singer-songwriter character who broke both of his legs falling down a pit when he was drunk uh, which his girlfriend approaches the uh, town planning council or what the parks and recreation part of the government to create this plot into um, some sort of park I'm quite enjoying it. Not seen it before. It's quite interesting so well we'll, uh, we'll have to see uh, how that one goes otherwise can't really say that i've had that much to um that much time to really watch stuff unfortunately but i'm quite sure that i'll uh, get to uh, see uh, something soon oh there was one thing i did actually watch uh, galaxy quest as well i had seriously forgotten how much i love that film it i know that i'm a geeky kind of guy so therefore it's probably aimed at um me and you know people who i would relate to most of all uh but what a fantastic movie that is it is still just as funny after all of these years and i would say it is the third best star trek movie ever made uh because let's face it it is a homage to all of um, us star trek fans uh, over the years who have stuck with it through uh basically thick or thin i would say um anyway just uh just a really quite uh enjoyable um kind of movie if you've not seen it before what have you been doing uh fantastic film definitely worth a watch all right so like i said it is going to be a quick uh, one this week because obviously we've not have any other guys here uh so we'll move on to your listener questions john what's happening to us All right, so listener questions, and while he's not here with us in voice, he is here with us in typing, because Mark's asked a couple of questions. So the first one he's asked is, how much does the online component of a game matter to your gaming habits? It doesn't, Mark. Um, Online is a nice to have in some games, but it is by far not important. My main concentration is single player games i do like playing the odd multiplayer game i mean we know i play destiny occasionally when i can muster up the strength and willpower to play that game nowadays because i feel it's got very repetitive um but otherwise uh first person uh, so not first person single player games is definitely the way that i prefer to play games but you know you never know sometimes there is an online component that ends up being really good i'm actually just looking at starting to play call of duty as a possibility so we'll you know watch this space second uh, question is what is your biggest gaming achievement over the last year um gaming achievement i i don't know i really i really am uh, not sure what my biggest gaming achievement over the last year is if i look at how many games i've actually completed this year uh, so far, 
I'm doing quite well because um, I'm on the ch- self-imposed challenge of trying to get to half a million gamer score by the end of the year. I started off at 380,000. Um, I'm now on 453,000, something like that. And so far this year, I have completed 55 games. Last year, I completed 100 games. And the year before that, I completed 68. That's across all platforms. So, you know, I'm doing okay. I'm well on the way. I worked it out. I needed to average about 8,000 gamer score per month. I'm currently averaging somewhere in the region of about 10,500 gamer score a month. Um, so, you know, it's quite difficult to maintain that sort of like level over a prolonged period of time. Um, but, you know, it's just the way I choose to play games. I know that not the achievements aren't for, in it for everybody, but ev- everybody has the thing. That's my thing at the moment. So, okay. Uh, Paul Wilson, he's asked, Microsoft do not seem to be able to get a foothold in the Far East markets for the Xbox with fairly pitiful sales figures compared with Nintendo and Sony. Would it be a good idea for Microsoft to buy Sega and rebrand the Xbox for the Far East market? It's funny you should say this, um, Paul, because I remember discussing something very, very similar must have been about four or five months ago where it was discussed about um was it a time no sorry sega rebranding the xbox series x as um a sega console in order to be able to break the eastern market because obviously there the microsoft has never broke that market i don't think and um the Japanese console manufacturers just have the monopoly um, on it with really, really poor sales. So that was what was reported to, to be happening. But then it's all gone quiet. So I don't know really what's going on, but it would be a good idea. And then they would also own the license to Sonic and they could make that another exclusive. I know that the Sonic games haven't been great, but that's not to say future Sonic games couldn't be great. Uh, you know, and uh, recapture uh, the love for the game that we had when it was Sonic 1 and 2 and all of that sort of thing. Who knows? Um, Interesting question, um, uh, Paul. Thank you. Uh, John Deacon, he's uh, asked the question of, if you had to choose between your marriage, PS5 or Xbox, which would you choose and what game would you play? (laughs) Um, I've got to, I'm going to be honest, I would always choose my wife um, over this um, for, if any other reason, that uh, she might listen to this at some point. <laughs> but uh, no, you can't beat that human interaction. But if it was, uh, had to choose between my PS5 and my Xbox, then I would play all of the PlayStation exclusives. Simple as, because there is many more of them than there is on Xbox. And so let's face it, if they're going to end up being Bethesda as the exclusives on um, Xbox, I don't think that's going to suit me down to the ground very well. Uh, Scott Kidd, he's asked, with all the Nintendo Switch Pro rumours, do you think they are true? Yes, 
I do think that, well, I mean, not in terms of any specific rumour, but I think that there will be a Switch Pro or a new follow-on thing to the Switch being in development. As for whether it will be called Switch Pro is an entirely uh, different thing. But I think that um, Nintendo would not be able to sit on the laurels and not think about the future after the Switch. Um, It would be suicide for the company. So, you know, I think that there will be a Switch Pro dubbed, you know, a next generation Switch, which will have 4K capabilities. I wouldn't be surprised if the if it's like the Switch, but obviously upscaled, that the handheld version will be 1080p as well. I wouldn't be surprised about that. Uh, but then you plug it in to a dock and then it'll appear as uh, 4K. That would not surprise me um, at all. It would seem to be quite logical. And it also wouldn't surprise me if there isn't some AI upscaling of all existing games as well. That would make sense for such a piece of equipment. Would I buy it? That would really, really depend. Because out of all of my equipment, my Switch really, really gets neglected. It doesn't get much use at all. Um, Very rare that I play the Switch. So, um, Lee Doherty, he's asked, with Microsoft buying Bethesda and Sony saying PS5s will have more exclusive games than the PS4 had, is game exclusivity a good thing for the industry or does it just fuel fanboyism and online arguments over which box is better lee you're always going to get fanboyism because people if anything else i think the the area where fanboyism comes from primarily is nobody likes to think that they bought a dud people promoted the benefits of Betamax and Betamax was the technically superior uh, recorder back in the day but VHS won because more people bought it. Likewise in terms of the last generation PS4 won we could argue all day long about whether what was the best sort of hardware but it doesn't really matter because the PS4 had the games and Xbox didn't. And, you know, you've really, if you're in charge of Microsoft or Xbox, you've really got to be thinking, what did Sony do better than us? Exclusives. And I think that they've realised that and have bought Bethesda. And now with the suggestions that um, upcoming games are going to be Xbox exclusive. I mean, let's just hope that the standard of the games that are released is higher than the Bethesda normal standard because otherwise it's just going to be an xbox with broken exclusives um and i'm not being fan i'm not being anti-fanboyers ish at that point about against bethesda but bethesda have a very long track record for broken games going back to when people even loved bethesda so you know that's going to be that's going to be an issue but there's always going to be people going to argue one thing or another you know, loads of people have said that they love the look of the Xbox Series X. It's a box, literally. It looks like a shoebox. I'm sorry if you like it, but from my point of view, it looks like a shoebox. It looks like it looks like one of those bags that you get with a plant in that you lift the plant out of. It's just its lack of design is its problem. Whereas I really, really like the look of the PS5. 
whether or not you've got the drive on or not. And I know that loads of people absolutely hate it, saying it looks like a 90s router and all of this, that and the other. But I like it. It's kind of funky. It's kind of quirky. Um, You know, I, I like that as a console. And, you know, I still consider myself to be more Xbox than I am PlayStation. But I think this last gen, I don't think, for me, uh, Sony got it right most of the time. Whereas this time, I feel for me, Sony have got more right than they got wrong. And I don't really care about the fact that, you know, people who are fanboys for Sony will be saying, you know, what, Sony, the best-selling console, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, fine. I completely accept that. But for me, last gen, everything that the Xbox One did, or the Xbox One X did, is what I wanted it to do. Whereas I didn't like the way that the PlayStation did things But this gen, I like the way that PlayStation doing things. And to me, the PlayStation 5 feels more like the next gen console than the Xbox Series X does because that just feels like a graphics update with a faster hard drive. That's what that feels like. It doesn't feel like a fresh new console and that's all down to the fact that there is no new controller design and no new interface. They could really make it feel something much more special by doing that update and you look at the sony sort of side they've got that controller all the innovation that's in there you know you've heard me talk about it for years i've always hated the sony controller and my biggest argument against it has always been battery as the the first and he didn't need to go any further than that argument against the controller but you know what the battery isn't quite as bad as uh, the last gen um but also all of the new features and i love the haptic feedback and stuff like that i know some people have said that the hands hurt with it we well, can turn it off but i love all that i love the fact that the microphone's included in the controller and you can switch it off on the controller as well and you've got the little speaker and you've got the trackpad and all of the other stuff that comes with that controller it's a good controller and anybody who says yeah, whatever and country actually use a controller before you start opening your mouth i'm using both and i love both controllers i love the xbox controller but god i would have liked a new version this gen you know the fact that they've taken the um elite d-pad and done a variation on it and added a share button that's neither here nor there um as far as i'm concerned that's not innovation um of the controller or evolution of the controller it's just you know oh that'd be quite neat to do let's do that it's very lazy they needed to have done something better you can argue of course that you can't really improve on perfection and the xbox controller is a fantastic controller and has been for years but i i just saw like the new playstation controller so um yeah you're always going to get fanboyism i think that the games that are available and the exclusives are really really um one of the key driving forces to that because it's always the argument that people are going to get well you're never going to play god of war or you're never going to play halo without one of the other console but you kind of take your choice when you buy the console that you want in terms of the games that you receive as well because you go in knowing the normal sort of things that appear on those platforms 
So, yeah, it's an interesting thing about fanboyism. I am actually quite glad that this gen we have seen less fanboyism than the last gen. The last gen, um, the fanboyism ruined the beginning of the last gen, I think. It was just all of the time, whenever you said anything about it, there was always somebody jumping down your neck saying the exact opposite to what you were saying. And, you know, it was it was it was not a pleasant sort of environment. Whereas, hopefully, we've matured as gamers and we can actually say the the pros and the cons. I use both systems and I use the PC. And I use the PC more than I use the two consoles. Um, well, the three consoles, really. But I love them all. I wouldn't be without them all. The, the, you know, it's that's just the way it is. You know, love games. Forget about what you're playing it on. Anyway, um, Lee's asked... Sorry, Neil McBain has asked... Have you ever taken a day off work sick or taken a day off work to play a game on release day? I'm going to say, yes, I have taken a day off work as annual leave. Not taking a day off work sick to play a game um, because that would be, well, I would get into trouble for that if anybody found out, which I would not do. But I have taken a day off um, work to play a game. And you may remember from a few years ago when Destiny 2 was released, I think both me and Steve took the day off so that we could play the game at launch together, uh, which kind of didn't really work out very well because of um, various different other things. But we did play the game. Um, we, we I think we took a couple of days off to play that game, if I remember rightly. And it was fantastic. <laughs> you know, just sat there, being able to play the game, pretty much guilt-free because there was nobody saying oh you've done the dishes and all that sort of stuff and no kids uh, to look after because they're at school blah 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 it was fantastic it's not often that you get those sort of experiences but i tend not to take many days off as annual leave flex leave to play a game um just because it's not really worth it and annual leave is sort of quite time precious really plus evenings is really when i prefer to game so uh, last question for this week justin lee is asking why is there so much apparent fuss from ps5 owners about whether games like god of war gt7 horizon also coming to ps4 and how it holds back the new machines i'm sure the vocal minority but don't they realize that the consoles are really just custom pcs in a box a pc game running an older graphics card does not hold back a game on a 3080 these playstations will be slightly downgraded versions to account for reduced specs and mechanical drives i'm happy with the ps5 but if games come out and sell more due to being available on ps4 then it's good for everyone, surely. I know what you're saying. Um, basically, in terms of the PC market, there is a massive area of um, spec in which games will play or won't play. Um, you have your minimum specs, you have your recommended specs. You don't Recommended specs doesn't necessarily equate to maximum specs for a game as well, which is quite interesting because... I was uh, looking at one or two games that was said that the recommended specs to play a game was um, a 1070 graphics card, but it was a game with RTX, and that didn't come in until the 2017, 2018, and 2060 graphics cards. So 
How the recommended specs to play an RTX game was a 1070 uh, NVIDIA graphics card. I I do not understand um, at all, but it's just interesting what the stick on the back of, you know, back of a box, um, virtual box, I should say, uh, for a PC. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying is that they're not developing a game to its maximum potential if they allow backward compatibility. But given when that game development might have started that might have never have been the case anyway i think people do get very upset because obviously these consoles are very expensive you know everybody's paid 450 pounds or more if they've paid scalpers uh, for the consoles and then the thought of getting a game that they could have played on their normal ps4 which might not have been 4K, but would have still looked pretty good. I can understand why people get upset. Definitely understand why people get upset. Um, But there's no point in getting upset because it is, as you say, there will be enhanced features for the better consoles. Um, Just like there is on PC, you will go, you know, it'll be automatically selected in a menu that you won't have access to X, Y, and Z because your console won't be able to cope with it. And all of those options will be, you know, things like the volumetric lighting and, you know, the RTX and all of that, which will enhance the game even further. Plus the fact you'll have quicker load times, plus the fact, you know, of all of the other features that will be there as well, you know, maybe even like the hints and tips on the cards when you press the PlayStation button, which I've actually, I've not seen a game that's actually showing that uh, supposed feature yet. That was something that they were really really pushing and i don't think i've ever seen any um game developer actually showing this is a recommended video on how to get past this bit of the game or whatever so that's really quite interesting something i've just remembered so yeah pe- people want to feel validated in terms of the purchase and i think some people get annoyed at thinking that they've spent all of that extra money when they could have played it on the PS4 or PS4 Pro. And you can understand that because you buy the new tech because you think you're going to get better. But there's always, always at the beginning of every generation, I've heard it on podcasts <coughs> for years and years and years of people saying, there's nothing to play. If there's nothing to play, then it's, a, the complaint is, it's a remaster of a last gen or, oh, this game's also available on the previous gen and that's not right. Those are always the three main ones that are always argued every time, almost guaranteed whenever there's a new gen. So it's just the same old, same old, same old. In terms of there just being PCs in a box, from a technical standpoint, they are, but it's the finesse of those operating systems and the peripherals which differentiate the experience from being a PC. Um, and that's probably why people get more loyalty in the brand than a PC, because a PC is very generic. And um, the probably the biggest loyalties that you will get on a PC might be you like specific manufacturers of cases, you like specific um, processors, so, you know, C- an Intel CPU or an AMD and you might have a preference on NVIDIA or uh, AMD's uh, Ryzen sort of uh, cards as well not Ryzen Radeon cards and all of that sort of stuff so yeah um, that's all I can really say about that I think anyway 
Hope you've enjoyed the show. Sorry it's uh, a bit more unusual uh, one this week, but hopefully we'll get the guys back next time. But wanted to make sure you had something out there. So just so you know how to get in contact with me and the show, if you want to uh, follow me on Twitter, it's H-E-R-J-U-K. You can also use H-E-R-J-U-K on PSN, Xbox Live, Steam, and just about anything else apart from Epic Games, which is there on Pop Culture Gamers. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, look for Pop Culture Gamer. We have a Facebook group. We have a Facebook page. You can uh, visit both of those and join as well. Any email inquiries is podcast at popculturegamers.co.uk. Our website is anchor.fm forward slash popculturegamers. And also we have our YouTube channel where I'm trying to match things from uh, the show to be on there so you can uh, get a look and see the sort of stuff that we've been doing which would include gameplay uh, of the games that we've been playing so I would uh, recommend that you come along there and why not like and subscribe preferably subscribe so that we can actually start to name that as a channel as well we're nearly there we've only got a couple more so but please subscribe to that all right so that's it for another week um, we'll be back hopefully on the weekend. Thanks for listening. And it's a good night from me. And it's a good night from them guys as well. Good night. <laughs>